Elizabeth Azy here for Mountain Peak Fitness. Today I'm speaking with one of my athletes, Joe Del Conti, about his triple crown attempt. Thus far, Joe has completed the Tahoe 200, Bigfoot 200, and in a couple of days we'll be supporting him during the Moab 240. Enjoy. All right, Joe, here we are. Kind of what's crazy, it's, we're almost two weeks, I guess, from starting the Bigfoot 200, which is, was your, is your second race out of the Triple Crown. Yes. Um, and so now we have one more to go at the beginning of October, and, um, and that's 240 miles. Uh, yes. So, so I've been talking to people, my fellow athletes, who do hard things. And, you know, they're always like, so what, you know, this is, you know, so what is it? Like why that, and we, we covered this before. Um, it's like, what drew you to actually wanting to cover the distance in the mountains? Like, and then why doing the triple crown? Well, I think um, I did Tahoe in 2019 while I attempted it and I dropped out at mile 140. Um, I think after that, um, I felt like I really had no reason to drop out. Um, it's just, I just felt like I was done and I, like I didn't know how to push forward. Um, and then after that, I just felt like I needed to prove to myself that I can do the Tahoe and I can also do all three. So it was kind of like, I know I can do it. I dropped out for no reason. So I'm just going to go big and, and do all three. Yeah. So we're, I was just looking at some of our old footage of uh, when we first started and we're almost coming up on a year, which is like so crazy. So at the end of uh, October is when you reached out to me yeah. and, uh, and I was like, oh, well, cause I have your whole movement screen videoed, like just to, as a comparison to when we actually do it at the end of 240. But um, so just a reminder, if you, cause I did this before, but um you know, when you contacted me, you were on, you were pretty much injured and not, and not running at all. Yeah. So we, now we're coming a year later and not only have you completed uh, the peak 100, you know, which was a very hard race, peak races 100, the blood rot or root. Um, and then let's go rock because your feet were pretty destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and so then. And then shortly after that, we went into um, the Tahoe race. And then they're all about kind of like six to seven weeks apart. Um, and uh, now we're going in Bigfoot, which was just amazing to be a part of, just a little part of it, and which was in Washington State uh, by Mount St. Helens, uh, Mount Rainier. It boasted probably 400, what, 44,000 feet of climbing and descent. Throughout the days, and it ended up being two hundred and nine, or you you clocked two hundred and eleven miles. Yeah, I, <laughs> we got lost. We we took a wrong turn, and we went a mile down the road. Um, so we had to go back up. It was a little bit more than two miles, but yeah, a little bit more than two miles up. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a nice treat for you. <laughs> Did that get your mind out of it, or oh man, like, were yeah. you like so pissed off, or just like discouraged? Yeah, it was on the road too. It wasn't even on the trail. So it was, there was no coverage. It was really hot. And I was following someone that I was running with. We were going down the hill. We were going at a, a nice clip and <laughs> he started getting swarmed by bees. So he took off. So I was like, oh, I got to follow him. But, so we missed the turn and we just kept going. And then 
we realized, wait, we haven't seen any markers. And there were other people behind us, which they're not behind us anymore. So we checked the map and we had missed the turn way up ahead. So. And what mile was that at, do you think? Uh, um, don't remember. Yeah, I can't think of it at the moment. It was in the one, maybe like 120 or 140. Oof, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. That is rough stuff. Um, another thing about kind of just the training process with uh, Joe here is every time he's finished and going into it, I always make sure his movement patterns are healthy, like so he can squat, stand on one foot. Um, it's not super sore. Like after every event, um, you know, I think one of the, the how you know that you're training correctly is that you're able to function well <laughs> kind of after the race. And that's, that's a lot to do with nutrition and hydration and how well he takes care of himself um, as well. So how well he took care of himself out there. And that's something that's pretty huge. I think people should take from training is that if you're doing things correctly, your body will respond well. Um, and, and that's from sleep quality to overall stress and just going at did Joe, particularly he has a little bit of a stressful job. He's not someone who's like, you know, I have all the time in the world you know, to train. Like, this is all I'm going to do is train. He's a realistic example of like kind of working full time and having stress within life and able to still fit in the training, um, which I think is really important for people to know. You know, you don't have all the time in the world and no. you're, you're, and you're standing most of the time you work long hours. The standing, I think really does help you kind of get through everything. Cause if you were seated, I mean, you'd just be so tight most of the time. Um, and just moving around the kitchen and so forth. Um, I think it really does help. And just yeah. and his lifestyle is pretty healthy. He tries to eat healthy. He has a nice, uh, healthy vegan diet, not junk vegan. And, um, and eating the whole foods throughout the race and keeping yourself hydrated really, I think it does make a huge difference. We have pictures of him after the, after the Bigfoot to, to 11. He was like, fine. And, yeah, I'm fine. You know, he was tired. He was out of it, but he could get up and stand and walk. And, you know, it was like fully functional. Um, and a lot of that too is a lot of it is walking. Like how much of it do you think you ran? I think the first half, maybe like the first 75 miles was up more running than hiking. But after that, yeah, I'd say the rest was um, mostly power hiking with a little running mixed in if it was, if the trail allowed it. Uh, but yeah, mostly, mostly power hiking. Yeah. Pretty fast though. I mean, your overall time was what, 81 hours or something like this? I, I think 83. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they have until 9 p. He started at Saturday at I think 8 or 9 a.m. And then they had until Wednesday, 9 p.m. to finish the race. Yeah, so I that was, so, yeah. 107 hours for this, yeah. Yeah, so that was a pretty good time. Um, and coming in, you're not, not fully rested with just doing the Tahoe 200. Um, and people also asked me how I manage kind of coaching through that. And it really is kind of overall stress-based. Um, and gearing up closer to the race and you were not kind of on so much of a taper you know I had him do kind of to get to remind your body how to move again and to recover quickly and what you're doing I put him kind of you know I don't know if it was two weeks leading out you did some substantial hiking 
um, you know, getting the climbing back in and understanding the load again. And so it's, it's a little bit different. It's not, and it wasn't a lot of running, but it was a lot of, again, with the load of the backpack on and just going out and being on your feet to simulate kind of the fatigue and adaptation from telling your body again, I'm going to be doing this, you know, and as you've done this, like these, these races, and once you're out there, you start to feel almost okay and better, you know, as you get going, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I think that's almost probably similar to what people do when they're doing like the John Muir trail or longer distance trails where, you know, initially it's kind of challenging, but then your body's amazing and resilient and you can adapt and get through each day kind of stronger. And it's kind of like a, and I think it's also effort based, but your body adapts and you can feel better as you move along. And I think the first, you know, you said the first night it was kind of shocking. You were like, oh, this is painful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my body was just, I don't know. It was just um, rebelling against me. Just, I just felt like everything was hurting, but I think after the first day it, it was, it was like, yeah, back to normal. Yeah. And when you're out there, do you feel like you're trying to go for time? I know you're very detail oriented and you had your pace chart and when you were thinking you were coming in, but do you, do you really presently follow that or do you just no. tone out? Yeah. Yeah. It, I, the, the time was just like an estimate for my, my crew um, just to be there at a certain time, but I, I wasn't following. I was just going by feel. I wasn't pushing like I had to get there at a certain time or I wasn't taking my time. It was kind of just a balance of how I was feeling and how, if it was too hot or what the terrain was like. And luckily for you, this is generally the Pacific Northwest known for kind of rainy weather, but it stayed pretty dry. It actually was pretty yeah. hot. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, there it, were some it, hot days. Yeah. I mean, I, I welcome the heat rather than the rain. Um, I saw some videos from previous years where it just, poured for like 10 12 hours um and some of the sections are so overgrown like i felt like i would have been miserable if that were the case but i feel like we got lucky yeah the heat was no problem it was just the rain what was my issue yeah or thunderstorms up high yeah that would have been a little scary for sure and so now the route is like loosely marked would you say like how many how how, how is it marked like how many miles are you going without seeing a flag uh, there were some sections where there was a few miles, yeah, I'd say like two miles without a marker. Um, there was a section on the second day, which I thought I was lost. I think I was a little delirious from not getting enough sleep and there wasn't any markers for a while. Um, there was a marker on the turn, which led to the trail, but then for a while there wasn't any. So, but I have the, the Gaia GPS, which tells you where you are in real time. So I was on course, but I didn't see any markers. So it got me a little nervous, but I kept going and eventually I popped out on the trail in, in the right direction. Um, but yeah, it was very, very sparsely marked. Yeah. And that you know that going in though, that's kind yeah, of like, yeah. First of, yeah, that's like, they're like, you, it's kind of like a self-reliant race in that, you know, it's a big boys and girls race where you are kind of, you're out there for a bit. You have to be prepared. You're going a long time between age stations. I mean, yeah. what do you think like your longest block of time because it doesn't matter mileage really because you're moving so slow but what do you think your yeah. your block of like you know actual time was between age stations i think about seven and a half hours was the longest um 
I think it was maybe 19 miles or yeah, which was the longest section. It was about seven and a half hours. Yeah, I think it's a, yep. I think it was a night portion too. Um, that those those miles were done at night where it was that long. Yeah. Did you feel like you had sufficient amount of nutrition and water on you going through those stretches? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I never ran out of water, um, even in the day. But there, most of the sections have have a river or some sort of water source, um, which I carry a filter. Um, so it really worked out, yeah. So did, how often did you find yourself filtering? Um, I probably filtered maybe twice, um, but there were many more sections that you were able to get water, but I just felt like I was staying hydrated, um, but maybe three times, maybe a couple towards the end. Um, but yeah, I, I never felt like I ran out of water, but a lot of people that I spoke to did. Yeah, and I was feeling them for that last day, like going in, because it was really hot out. And when yeah. it got hotter, yeah, I was like, oh, they're really kind of suffering out there. I was thinking in my head. And it's such an interesting sport, you know, like it it um, kind of attracts it, ultra running too. But I mean, like your second place finisher was 55 or just, or, you know, like mid 50s, you know. Yeah. So it's like it just says like, you know, there's no real boundary. And it's kind of ageless. And you're 47 or 48 yourself. Uh, 48. Yeah. Yeah. 48. Yeah, it's just it's just awesome, and it's such an inspiration to everybody. You know, it's like you don't have to stop. It's it's like if you choose to stop is when you become unfit and unhealthy. You know, it's yeah. your choice. And everybody. I think more people, you know, should have to know like it is a choice. You know, this, you're making the choice to be old. You know, like whatever that means or middle age. Um, so yeah, congratulations, man! Just super Thank super you. awesome. Thank and you so I, much. <laughs> just a, and part of part of uh yeah Joe's journey too is just the strength and conditioning and mobility work that we do, which I think is um always understated. And I guess it's part of my responsibility to make it more <laughs> out there. But I'm kind of like you know busy and then I'm like ah oh, social media I can't stand it. But yeah, I know I have to do my part more um to get the word out there. But uh, yeah, so we got him strong in the beginning. Uh, you know, do, doing kettlebell work. Uh, loaded carries, pull-ups, just making him overall strong. Something, skills that I taught him that I hope that he takes with him past this uh, journey and uh, always implement like some sort of strength and conditioning is my hope that you do, you know, when you move forward outside of this thing. Outside of that, you're not running for a while. <laughs> just like, you're, not, you're done. Hang up the shoes for a little while. Um, so today we're going to go over kind of oh another question they had how often were you just completely by yourself um so i'd say the first day and a half i just ran alone um, but then i hooked up with another runner i'd say i think it was mile 91 and then we ran the rest of the race together um, from 91 to the finish that's amazing right just to have that kind of spiritual person out there and yeah. he wanted to stay with you as much as you wanted to stay with him. And you guys just like had good energy. Yeah, I think we, we decided to stay together and our crews, since we were coming in at the same time, they kind of um, formed a bond too. So they would tell us, kind of get us to get us ready to meet each other after we were done at each aid station. And they were kind of pushing, not really pushing us to stay together, but coordinating so we would both stay together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's somebody you were to keep in touch with for a while. Is he doing uh, Moab? Uh, no, he's not. No. 
Um, he was just, this was his first 200. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, uh, but we, we've been in touch. It's only been a few weeks, but yeah, definitely keep in touch with him. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So what headlamp did you use? I mean, because this is old growth forest. Like these trees just go on forever. I mean, even yeah. during the day, you feel like you're kind of, you know, it's kind of very dim. So what were you using? So I use the, the Petzl Now, the NAO, I think it's called. It's, I don't know if they make it anymore. It's older. Um, it's like 360 lumens, um, which is, I have two batteries. It lasts about eight hours per battery. Oh, that's um, all, huh? Wow. And then I also have a Kogala as a secondary light, which I think I only use once because um, I was able to recharge my, my spare batteries. Um, but the Kogala, again, that's, it's an amazing light too. So you feel like those did the job and you're carrying oh. kind of spare energy, spare batteries and so forth. Well, yeah. yeah. They, they say that you have to, there's mandatory gear you need to carry and spare batteries are one of them. Um, but yeah, both of those, even one on their own is amazing. Uh, but so two is just, I never had both of them on at the same time. Um, just one at a time, but yeah, they, they work amazing. Did you see any Bigfoots or Sasquatch? No, um, <laughs> just, just some deer and some uh, chipmunk. That's about it, yeah. That's all, huh? So the watch you're using is, is what, and you had the, the actual course downloaded onto that? Yeah, it's the Koros uh, Peak something. Uh, I'm not sure the exact model. Um, I, I was able to download the whole course on there, but it was in sections. So every time I would get to an aid station, it would give me the distance, the, the elevation, and uh, yeah, it was always on course. Um, and it, it you, you said it died at some point or no? Yeah, it, I don't know how. It's supposed to last 40 hours. It was on a full charge. It died at around 34 hours. Um, then I forgot to charge it and I was able to charge it. So I got probably 100 and 90 miles through the watch and then 20 miles um, didn't record. So it was just, gotcha. yeah. That's but interesting. It, it worked well yeah. though. And then, so what vest did you carry, make and model? Uh, the ultimate direction. I don't remember the make, it actually broke. At, oh no. Yeah, um, I wanna say mile 190. One of the, the straps broke. Luckily, I was able to tie it together and I finished the race with it. But I, yeah, I was climbing over like a huge tree that was probably like four feet wide and it got stuck and it ripped. Oh, and the, gotcha. The whole pack broke. Um, but it, was that the same it, pack you're using all year so far? Yeah, I've had it for a while. Yeah. Definitely don't throw it out. You got to keep that one. That's special. Oh, I threw it out already. Oh yeah. no, that's a special one. That guy got, got you through the years. Jeez. I know it has. You yeah. see. Oh my gosh. I'm sentimental with those things. Like this is, I have a bike from like 1995 that I've been carrying with me throughout my life. You know how much I move. <laughs> this is my same bike. It's 1996. My husband's like, you gotta, you know, what are we gonna do? I was like, nope, staying with me. It's my first bike that I bought with my own money. You know, and I was like, it's coming with me. And it's been with me every, every place I go. But yeah, yeah, that's, Sarah, are you going to buy the same model? 
Uh, no, I actually, I've been looking at Solomon's, the advanced skin, which they yeah. seem to hold a lot more. Um, they don't bounce as much. I've been doing some research since I've been back. Um, so I think I, I'm going to try the Solomon Advanced Skin 12 liter. 12, yeah. I use that during fat dog and stuff. It's good. Yeah. Because it expands so much. You have these big pockets that wrap around, and you can yeah. just stuff, like, so much stuff in them. Um, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I've never uh, used, like, the water flasks with them. I always go with the bladder. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't use – the front pockets are just storage. But, yeah, it's super comfortable. But get that soon so you can kind of fool around. Oh, yeah. 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 So 240, like how, what's your game plan for the next one? I don't know. This is more runnable. I uh, was looking at the times. Not that that means anything, but it seems like it's a lot more runnable than the last two. Um, so I think maybe it'll be less power hiking, but it's also a lot, ex a lot more exposed. Um, and it seems a lot, um, the, the runnable sections are, sort of flat, sandy wash. Um, so that's something I, I need to take into consideration um, about the course. So I haven't really thought about it much. And I've the shoes that you're wearing, the spirit to do the Hoka? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of maybe doing some research on Marathon de Saab and how they... Um, it's very prevent. tough. It's tough. I trade at the sand dunes like half the time, and there's no way the sand is not getting in your shoes. It's just a matter of like emptying out your shoes often. Um, yeah. And it even gets to a point where, you know, the sand gets in the sole of the shoe. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden you have like your feet are like 10 pounds. <laughs> you know, they're super heavy trying try to run. So it's, it's, you know, you can do the gator on the outside, like a little ankle gator or so forth to help. Um, but you know, if it really is that deep of sand, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it just gets in there. Yeah. You know, I don't know what kind of special thing they're, they're using, but, um, for that race, but it's just, uh, yeah, it just, it just gets in. Cause it gets in through all the permeable, like how, you know, when you go through water and you, when you say it, it drains well, that's exactly what the sand does. It goes into those little holes of your shoe. And then it goes into the sole of your shoe. So yeah, I would just have a lot of extra shoes. Okay. Yeah, yeah I need some new shoes after these past few races. Yeah, so how many shoes have you gone through so far? Um, I've, I've, for the past two races, I've bought three pairs. I've only used two of them. Um, and yeah, they're, they're pretty much, one of them is probably out the door. One I can probably get maybe like 100 miles out of it. So I need to get another pair. So you're gonna to go to Tahoe with how many? I mean, I'm Moab. Um, I'll probably have three. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. And see how it goes. Yep. And who knows? Maybe it'll be. Uh, I don't know. They don't really get rain. But yeah, we'll definitely be there. We're already gearing up the truck. <laughs> We're gonna <to> be tires. <laughs> Shocks everything. We're like, this is because we were so sad. We're like, oh my god, this is so insane. Um, and so, yeah, the whole shock system is just ridiculous. I mean, we could only go like four miles an hour. It's like yeah, we were never even getting there. It's like crazy and everything's yeah. shaking off. It's like, but this is what we do. So we're like, we got to change things up here, you know? So nuts. Um, so let's get started and I might stop recording. Just stand up for me and we're going to do a little bit of marching just to get your heart rate up and we're going to go through a squat and mobility stuff and see, 
see how you're really feeling. Can you see? Yep, I can see. I just use your arm, so right arm, left leg, not same side, not same side. Right arm, there you go, that's it, yep. So how are your legs feeling just moving around, walking up and down stairs? Uh, they, they feel okay, yeah. I mean, not 100%. Uh, great, but not, not so bad. Uh, how about your feet, your blisters? Do you have any blisters that you're... Uh, no, no. They, they, there's like some, a little cold skin, but nothing like top. During the yeah, during the recovery rides like this week and the little walks that you're doing, do you feel like it's hard to breathe? Like if you take a deep breath, like you feel tired or diaphragm in your heart? No, I haven't felt any, any and stop and you're just going to place your arms up in the air and we're going to go into a full squat so spread your feet apart shoulder width and just go down as low as you can and stand up and then go to the side so face the other direction Nice. So what I'm looking at here, there's toes are touching that he has good ankle mobility as he's going down, he can go down and hips, his arms are falling. So they're tight, obviously, but his hips are doing pretty good and ankles and come back up. And we'll continue. All right. So we'll see you in, I'm just going to stop the recording, but I'll, I'll stay on. We'll see you in uh, Moab. Thank you.